listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Indeed, welcome to the show. It's the Fret Files Podcast, your fortnightly foray into guitar geekery. My name is Eric Daw. I'm your uh, personal guitar scientist guy, right? 25 years of experience building and repairing guitars. Sitting beside me is uh, this evening's co-host, Nat. Oh, hello. Yeah, how's it going, Nat? Dang good. I feel a lot better. Yeah, the better than what? Better, better, than, the, better, the, better than you did? Better than I did before we had burritos. Oh, yeah, we just finished some big fat burritos yep it was good i put too much hot sauce on mine though and now i'm like i don't know (laughs) i don't know if i can speak you'll have to muddle through yeah so halloween edition of the fret files podcast we're doing horror stories it's a tradition Mm -hmm. i've heard them uh we used to do a lot of repair horror stories and then we expanded into uh gig horror stories and I think yeah. I think that's mostly what we have now. I mean, how how many repair horror stories can you have, right? They yeah usually involve a lot of epoxy. They boil yeah. down to there was epoxy. A guitar broke, and my neighbor epoxied it, and yeah. there you go. <clears throat> so yeah. no, I think there's a couple repair stories in here, but mostly all uh, mostly all gig horror stories. No Good. calls, no news, no nothing. Just uh, we do have some sponsors though. Oh, man, I like sponsors. Oh, yeah. That sounds nice. Well, let me tell you, I reached out because um, Sweetwater had a great article with horror stories in it, and I said, hey, can I use this on my podcast? And they said, you know, I said, I'll plug plug you. They said- They said, please. What podcast? So, so, um, yeah, this is, uh, some of these uh, stories are furnished by Sweetwater- who you can visit at, oh. at sweetwater.com. So yeah, this is how we'll do it. I've I've handed you your stack of papers. I see them, which yeah. are are different from and you've got all the listener submitted content. Oh, yeah. good. I like listeners. So well, yeah, we I like, like our content. Engagement. We, we got I don't know, 5 6 7 uh, listeners sent in their stories and the both of did. I'm going to send I'm going to send uh, everybody who sent something in. I'm going to send them a little something in the mail. The best one will get oh, a, that's a right. bag of Apex coffee. Yeah, and you promoted the heck out of it last time. And yeah, yeah, good. And uh, no, you know, I'm always concerned that we're going to have lame stories. Like one day I plugged in my guitar and it didn't work. That was mine. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Everybody's had that happen. No, these are pretty good stories. Anyway, do you want to go first? Do I ever? All right, horror stories. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go right into it. 
I'm a bass player, and one of my bands was playing at a bar restaurant in Montreal called L'Escalier. Lots of stairs, narrow entrance and staircase. See, the stairs. I get set up and plugged in, and my 69 Telecaster bass is silent. I plug the guitar into my bass amp. Sound works. Plug the bass into the guitar amp. No sound. Obvious problem is the bass. It was midwinter, lots of snow, real snow in Montreal. But I run next door to a musical instrument store, but their rental department was closed. Ran down the street to Steve's Music. Their rental department was closed too, but they called the store manager and he agreed to sell me a Mexican jazz bass on my credit card and return it the next day minus a rental fee. Nice. Wow. He's resourceful. I missed 17 minutes of the first set. Not 15. Yeah, he's resourceful and and precise. Uh, This is a good guy. I now go to every gig with a double gig bag and two basses. There you go. The problem with the bass, I was told, oh, I was told that the volume pot failed. Hmm. Bad pot, like we were talking about earlier. Replaced it, and all is good. Hmm. That's from Phil Peters in Saint Laurent, Quebec, Canada. Saint Laurent in Quebec. Well, I'm from, I went to District 91 schools. I'll remind you. You ever been to Canada? Yeah, went to Vancouver, Victoria, I've stuff like been. that. Yeah, yeah. Took a train up there. Trains in America are not good, man. Who is that from? What was his uh, name? Phil Peters from San Laurent. Thanks, Phil. That's a good one. Yeah, it was great. Okay, here's one from Sweetwater. Do it. Sweetwater.com. It's so nice that they let me use these horror stories because we didn't have enough to do a whole show. Yeah, but I would have had it. And these are good. Okay, yeah. this is from Sweetwater. Uh, this is from the senior director of, of partner marketing. Whoa. Arend Raby. Back in my college years, I played in a 90s original band. We played heavier stuff, in line with what was uh, back then, anyway. Mm-hmm. We were invited to play at a big private event. That's all I knew, since the gig was booked by a bandmate. When we got there, I discovered that the venue was an old military compound, and the event was a big biker party. Whoa. That should be fun, right? Yeah, so far so good. We were an obvious mismatch to their expectations, it turns out, because they thought they were booking a classic rock band. Oh. (laughs) About three songs into our set, the crowd started shouting. Our bass player started shouting back. (laughs) The stage got rushed. A fight broke out. People were swinging mic stands. Oh, man. Even as we were packing up to get out of there, the brawl was still going on. We didn't get paid, but at least we enjoyed some of the food before we started playing. Oh, way to look on the bright side. That's always a bonus. Gigs where they feed you, that's always a bonus. I love it. I, I think know, it's great. I do too. I do too. And if they have the mic stands flying, you're going to need the good dental insurance if it's, yeah. you know, if you have a choice at work. It always cracks me up these gigs where you, you um, they'll feed you, but... They they want to still charge you something, but they discount it a little bit. Like, well, mm-hmm. you know, I know you're going to be here for six hours and you're going to be hungry at some point. We will give you a hamburger, yeah. but we need you to pay $3. And we've got this, this grill hamburger. going the whole time and guys, they can make I know, stuff. I know you're being paid to be here, but uh, we're going to need three bucks for this hamburger. Yeah. Comedians. <clears throat> All right. Oh, I'm up. Tell a story now. I'm up. That was a good one. This is a true story that could have ended up as a disaster with a deadly outcome. Oh, man. 
But in the end, everything turned out okay, and we can laugh about it. This is going to be good. Around a dozen years ago, I was playing in a small acoustic trio. The lead singer in this band had a Martin, not a vintage one, but a fairly okay modern one. One day after a gig, he put the guitar in the trunk of of the car and drove home. He lives very close to a river in a small Swedish town. Hmm. Hope he was in Sweden at the time. In the driveway of the house, they have a road barrier, so he stops the car, goes to the barrier to open it up, and then he realizes he has forgotten to put the handbrake on. Uh Uh-oh. So the car starts to roll backwards and slightly turns the wheels heading to the river. He did a bold (laughs) move. Yeah. I don't like... uh, Thoughts and prayers. Here we go. He did a bold move and tried to run back and jump into the car, but he missed and got hit by the door. The car ran over and damaged his foot and then went into the... It did. It went into the river. Oh, my gosh. So there he is lying on the ground with a broken foot and the Mercedes Benz and his Martin in the river. (laughs) I shouldn't laugh. I know. That's horrible. But the guy promised this... We can laugh about it now. But All right, this, I guess. Things are kind of hanging in the balance. Well, I feel like I need to there you, the beverage over do that, this yeah, story. If that'll get us through. Two days later, he's back from the hospital and has calmed down. Then he goes to the garage to discuss his car. Then he remembered the guitar, opened the trunk, and there's the case. It was a nice carbon fiber guitar case and is completely filled with water and a Martin. Uh-oh. It's kind of a poetic <laughs> image there. I'm going to read that again. Oh, it's completely that's... filled with water and a Martin. That's terrible. He spoke with the insurance company, and they agreed that he would hand over the guitar to a repairman, uh, and he would also get some money on the side. So it was sitting in water the whole time he's in the hospital. Yeah, the carbon fiber guitar case was and they, filled. And you know, like they towed the... Yeah. This is probably days later. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that it's guitar sat in water yeah. for days. Submerged. Wow. <clears throat> He's going right. to get some money on the side, though. So after approximately six months, he gets the guitar back, and it is again in playing condition. A guy repaired it? Wow. But the story does not end here. He called me about a year ago, and his Martin has a few cracks, so he sent it to me for repair. And I noticed that the parts started to shrink and all glue joints are giving up. Oh, yeah. And I guess that this is all due to the massive drowning of the guitar that day. Well, sure. Needless to say, he does not play the river anymore. That's Is that a joke? That's, well, it's a Bruce Springsteen song. Oh, I don't know any Bruce Springsteen. That's too bad. That's from Sven Erik Soderberg from Tumba, Sweden. We know some Soderbergs up these parts, don't we? I don't know. Do you? I think we had some a little north of town. There's a lot of Swedish settlers here in Idaho Falls. Well, settlers. Yeah. Not now. I mean, back in like the 1800s. Yeah. That's there, our people, man. There's the, this, like the part of town, the west side of town where I grew up was mm-hmm. called New Sweden. Yep. Because there were a lot of Swedes there. Now they're the, all in the cemetery. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyhow, good story. That is, oh. Really not a happy ending, though. It well, sounds like he, that guitar is still coming apart. Yeah, and... Boy, traumatic. Guy went to the hospital. And what about that Mercedes-Benz, man? Uh, no word. That's like the kind of car you always end up with. Like, okay, it has minor water damage. It was in the bottom of Salt Lake. If I had a but, nickel for all of those that I've seen pulling up the trunk carpet and saying, 
This car was up to its eyeballs in water. This is like a Texas flood car. You yep. and your, you I would and have your water three or damaged four. foreign cars. Yeah. I don't know what. Oh, that, and my so one damaged that, car. If that water damaged car is for sale, let Nat know. Yeah, he'll, he'll probably pay. It. He loves those. I'll pick it up. If he'll it's pay to have it shipped over from Sweden if it's hey, sketchy enough. My one kind of sketchy deal. I actually had almost. I had the beginnings of this story. I had to jump through the window of my car. I had the window pre-staged. Rolled down. Uh, my dad and I just had to go tow this car out of Salt Lake. Um, when we got it back, we had to get it off this this uh, this trailer, this car hauler, and it had to go down this ramp, just the two of us. And so I just had the window open, and I decided we'd get it going, and I'd just jump into it head first and pull the e-brake. Totally worked. <sighs> I watched a lot of Dukes of Hazard. It's a good thing there wasn't a, uh, a guitar in the trunk. Oh, man. There there could have been. All right, on with the stories. Do it. This is called Drum Fill Facial. Ooh, I can't wait. Yeah, Nick Bocut, the content specialist over there at Sweetwater.com. Good. Nick says, Fortunately, the funniest thing that I've ever experienced at a live show didn't happen to me. In fact, I wasn't even on the stage. I was in the audience. Here's the grim but funny tale. Growing up as a rock and metal fan during the early 80s in England was simply amazing. Oh, I bet. The new wave of British heavy metal. That's N-W-O-B-H-M. Oh. I guess that's a thing, huh? The oh. new new wave of British heavy metal was growing fast, and there were no cell phones, no Facebook, no YouTube, no social media. He's got anti in front of social in parentheses. Parentheses hmm. anti-social media. All you had were three weekly music papers, Sounds, Melody Maker, and New Musical Express. Oh, yeah. A monthly metal magazine called Kerrang. Yeah, heard of it. Your local record store, live shows, and word of mouth. It was truly a magical and exciting time. There were lots of upcoming metal bands, lots of small venues for metal. That is, pubs with no stage, a dodgy PA, and a few ropey lights. And lots of people who would willingly come to the shows to cheer on their latest local heroes. That's when my band, Grim Reaper, came to be. Oh. There was also a genuine spirit of camaraderie among the bands. Yeah. We we weren't enemies. We weren't rivals. We were comrades in arms. Sure, there was some healthy competition, but nothing vindictive. So, if my band wasn't playing locally and another one was, then we'd be out there cheering them on. And this is how... I was fortunate enough to witness the drum fill facial incident. One of the best local bands at the time was called Snakehead. Man, there's two good names they stole from us. That that was you thought of Snakehead? Well, no, but the Grim Reaper. I wondered who had that. Go ahead. Every member was exceptional, especially their vocalist. He literally had and still has a range and a scream that was up there with the likes of Halford and Dickinson. Dang. You know them guys? Uh, Emily Dickinson? (laughs) Yeah, she ain't bad. (laughs) Snakehead's drummer was an impressive, had an impressive drum kit, and the central jewel in its crown was a rack of five rototoms. Oh, yeah. Hey, it was the 80s. Yeah. Anyway, I went to see Snakehead play in a local pub with no stage. The place was packed, and they rocked it hard. One of their trademarks was at the end of the final song, the singer would turn to face the drums with his arms raised high, and then as the drummer performed a spectacular drum fill, he would spin around, grab the mic, and belt out an epic metal scream of Rob Halford-esque proportions. Wow. 
great stuff. Mm-hmm. The trouble was, somebody had kicked over a pint of beer on the wooden floor right in front of the drum kit. Consequently, as the singer spun around, his stack heels, remember it was the wow. 80s, his stack heels slipped in the beer and he fell backward into the kit right as the drummer was doing his climactic drum fill across the rototoms. As a result, before the singer's fall completely demolished the kit, part of the epic drum fill was done right on the singer's mm, face. Man. That must have hurt. Dang it. Perfect timing. The result, an unforgettable, unrepeatable end to an already <laughs> great show. Drums strewn all over the floor and a singer sporting a black eye worthy of a heavyweight title fight. <laughs> man, paradiddle. That is from Nick Bocut. Good one, Nick. That is a good one. You betcha. Paints a vivid picture of those early 80 metal people. Very nice. Very good storytellers here. pubs and, yeah. Well, I got a pretty substantial one. Let's hope this turns out all right. Halloween Horror Story. That's the title. A couple of years ago, I was dating a woman who lived about three hours away. After a busy fall, I was finally able to break away to see her. I drove to her town, and we met at a restaurant. After the, after the meal, she said, I've got a surprise for you. We're going to go back to your place and get naked, I said. That's what the guy wrote. Hey, is this uh, I don't know where this is. This is R-rated? I, I'm worried. No, silly, she said. That wouldn't be a surprise. <sighs> I'm okay with that, I said. <laughs> well, it turns out it was open mic night at some joint near the local college. You know the deal. Lots of ponytails, sweaters, tailored guitars, capos, and feelings. Uh-oh. So many feelings. That was good. Listen to this, how evocative this is. Tailored guitars, capos. Yeah. Yep. Sweaters, ponytails. Yeah. We know what you're talking about at that point. Oh, uh, yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. So it started, and it was fine for what it was, and this woman and I were holding hands, and she was huddled up close. Oh, this is nice. And after a while, she leaned in and says, I've got another surprise for you. We're going to go blow this joint and lose our clothes, I said. Classy guy. Oh, you, she said. I told you that's not a surprise. I see why you gave me this one. Still not a problem, I said. She punched my arm playfully. I signed you up. You're going to sing. Oh, surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm, I said. I like my idea better. St- this is like Hardy Boys in a way. Um, like these really corny exchanges. The secret of the old clock, man. Stop it. You'll be great. Oh, Chet. Yeah, but what am I going to do? Acapella Nirvana covers? I don't even have a guitar. It's okay, she said, and pointed to a guy by the stage. He's going to let you use his. Man, these clothes are itchy, I said. Aren't yours? Hmm. You'll be... (laughs) I did a Marge sound. You'll be great, she said. Just do some of those funny songs you do. Everyone will love them. So she got busy pumping me up, and I started looking around the place, and pretty soon I'm convinced that, yeah, I'll get up there and crush it. My turn came, and I sat down with the borrowed guitar, tuned it, looked around the joint, and all the serious, earnest faces, and thought, oh yeah, I'll have them eating out of the palm of my hand. So I launched right in with a silly song I wrote that always gets giggles and nothing. Earnest, earnest stares, shuffling feet, a few whispers. <laughs> I got all the way through, hit the punchline, and finished with a big old windmill and nothing. Aye. Some throat clearing. Tough crowd, I said. 
I tried a little banter and then just and then decided to just go on with a song that everyone always laughs at. It's short, sweet, inoffensive, always gets a laugh. From 8 to 80, always goes over. So I started. The sparse crowd listening intently, and I came to the chorus punchline and nothing. Not a titter. Not even from my girlfriend. <laughs> Man. So after that second verse, I hit the chorus again and really sold it this time. Zero. Zip. Zilch. Nada. Nothing. So I finished, bowed, and yelled, Thank you. You guys rock. And went to give the guitar back to the guy who was nice enough to lend it to me. Thanks, I said. Sorry if I got sweat on it. You still have one more song to sing, he said. Nope. <laughs> Interesting question. I went back to my girlfriend. You are great, she said. I like this gal. Okay, so you still want to go get naked, I said. Tough crowd. So that's from Spider Daily in New Mexico. Oh, man. Man, that... Well, that, he's play, He's trying to do comedy songs at a... That are sweet. At a touchy-feely... Uh, the capo place with the Taylor guitars. At the capo get-together. Yeah, man. That's like bringing a, a knife to a gunfight. They don't like they don't take kindly to comedy at, at those feeling places. Yeah, and you know that disconnect is the essence of the human experience. There, Spider, <laughs> <laughs> having been there myself, bud, we could pontificate about yep. that, but oh, we won't. It, that is truly an existential <laughs> horror. Here's another one. You're from, up. Here's another one from Sweetwater. Oh, com. Yeah, this is from Nick DeVirgilio. Virgilio, Nick D. Virgilio. I should have I should have pre-read this, don't you think? Yeah, it takes the sport right out of it. No, we're doing this cold. Content specialist at Sweetwater.com. In 1996, I landed the biggest job of my musician life, playing in the UK band Tears for Fears. What? Yeah. You've heard of them, I bet. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, I love one. them. I love them. Do you? That's great. It was a dream gig for me. I was already a fan and had seen them live a number of times on earlier tours. <clears throat> I was an up-and-coming player at the time. My band Spock's Beard was gaining some no Man. No notoriety in the prog rock world, Spock. and we had done a few tours by that time. These few things led to me having the first gear endorsements of my career. Whoa. When I got to the Tears for Fears gig, <clears throat> we rehearsed in the UK, and I played on the drum kit that was there. Our first shows were going to be in Miami, and I told the powers that be that I had the drums all set up. There was no need to bring the drums from the UK. I have an endorsement. I'm a pro. Yeah. Famous last words. That, that's part of it when you're endorsed. We spent about four weeks rehearsing and then made our way to Miami for a production rehearsal at the venue and the first two shows of the tour. My drums, the ones that I had told everyone in the Tears for Fears camp not to worry about, were supposed to be waiting for me when I arrived. I was told by the drum company that everything was going as planned. As you can probably guess, it's the plan sign. went south. Yeah, yeah. The Never only drums it. that showed up on the day on that day, <clears throat> on the day that was going to be the production rehearsal, were one floor tom, a snare, and a few pieces of hardware. A smattering. Now I'm freaking out because I am making the team have to scramble to find me a drum kit. This was work they were not planning on at all, and of course I felt really bad and embarrassed. It wasn't my fault, but still I. I pushed for using my stuff and assured them everything was good. I looked bad to my boss before the biggest gig of my life ever even started. 
The tour mm-hmm. team ended up renting me a kit to use for the first two shows. And then another totally unexpected thing happened during that very first show. The first gig was in front of about 5,000 people and was going well. The crowd was rocking to all the hit Tears for Fear songs. Oh, yeah. Of course they are. And I can distinctly remember the feeling that I had made it. Oh. Yeah, that's a big gig, man. Dude, Come on. Yeah, man. And and I'm afraid the horror is going to involve... That was the apex. Then the nightmare happened. Oh, yeah, I noted. it. I don't remember what song it was on, but I do remember it was about halfway through the show. I'm playing along. I hit a strong downbeat accent going into a chorus, and the beater on my kick drum pedal went right through the kick drum head. Dang it. I'm not exaggerating when I say that that has never happened to me <laughs> yeah. in all the years I've been playing my drums up to that point or since. Yeah. It was a fresh head. And for the life of me, I can't even explain why it happened. Yeah. Now, I'm trying to let my drum tech know what's going on, but we're still playing a song, so I can't do much. Also, now there's no low end coming from the drums, and everyone on stage is wondering why it sounds so different all of a sudden. Yeah. I'm trying hard to smile. You know, that's funny, because sometimes, like, if something goes wrong on stage mid-song, you don't always know what it is. Yep. All you know is something, something doesn't sound right. is wrong. Yep. Yep. A terrible feeling has crept across the stage. <sighs> Where was I? Oh, he put a beater through the drum head, and then uh, everyone says, hey, this is terrible. He's trying. To, he's waving his arms yeah. frantically for the drum tech. The drum tech's like, man, he's really yeah. into it. That's cool. I'm trying hard to smile and play like nothing is wrong. We get through the song. Meanwhile, I'm yelling to my drum tech, there's a hole in my kick drum head. <laughs> if the snare drum breaks during a gig, you can easily just swap out the drum for a backup, but not a kick drum. Mm-mm. There's also no time to change the head, so I look up to Roland, the singer, and I tell him, Vamp, talk to the crowd, tell a joke, something. My kick drum broke. I need a minute. You know, like we're playing at some bar or a casual gig. Yeah. I yell at my drum tech to get me the gaff tape, and I proceeded to get on my hands and knees and cover the hole as fast as I could with a lot of tape in front of 5,000 people. It might work. My head was totally swimming with thoughts of how I was going to be fired after my first gig. How I was embarrassing Roland and how mad I was at myself for not just using the drums from rehearsal and trying to make out how pro I was. Yeah. I felt like it took an hour to plaster the tape on the drum head. But once there was enough on, I sat up, sweating profusely, gave Roland the thumbs up that we could keep going, and as you can imagine, the kick drum did not sound good anymore. Mm. I had to gingerly play it for the rest of the show while adding more tape in between every song. The show ended, all I could do was say that I was sorry about what happened. I was freaking out inside. The nightmare ended when Roland and the front of the house sand mount, sand man, sound man came to me and said they were impressed with the way I got through that problem and really? how the show went on. The kick drum did sound different at that point, but it did not ruin the show. We obviously replaced the head for the next gig. My endorsement drums showed up in the next city. I went on to play with Tears for Fears for the next 15 years. Whoa. A kid. Well, they're consummate professionals. The front of house guy and the Roland, they're nice to him. In the moment, it sure felt like I was uh, in a nightmare, but the nightmare did end and turned into a good thing. There you go. Awesome. Wow. That's from from Nick DeVirgilio, the uh, 
Yeah. Drummer for Tears for Fears for 15, 15 years. 15 years. Even That's though awesome. He broke the drum head. The first, hey, let's, first gig. Let's take a little break. We'll uh, do uh, some commercials here and uh, we'll be right back. Good. This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Imagine always having fresh roasted coffee in your home. Now, imagine you didn't even have to leave the house for it. A subscription with Apex Coffee Roasters makes all of this possible. You choose the plan that best suits your needs, and they handle the rest. Their roaster will select a coffee option just for you and send it your way. Discounts are applied if you get a six-month or a year-long subscription. And shipping included if you're in the USA. Great coffee every morning. Just got a little bit easier. That's apexcoffeeroasters.com. And if you go there and use my promo code, you get an additional 10% off. That's pinup, P-I-N-U-P. That's at apexcoffeeroasters.com. We've talked a lot about neck straightening irons on the show, and people write to me and they say, Eric, where can I get one? Well, until now, I didn't have anywhere to send people because nobody makes them anymore, except for my buddy Rick at playersgearmusic.com. You can go to Players Gear Music, you can order a neck straightening iron, some people call it a neck press or a neck heater. It is an invaluable tool in my shop. I use it all the time. I'd be lost without one of these. I, I love having a neck straightening iron, and Rick is making a really, really stout industrial. It, I, I, think it, I think it's the best one that I've used, and I've, I've used a lot. I've used uh, the commercially available ones that they used to sell in the 70s and 80s, but they don't sell them anymore. Well, now you can get one from playersgearmusic.com they're $7.49 I know that seems like a lot it's it's a tool I tell you what it's going to pay for itself a hundred times over if you go to playersgearmusic.com scroll down on the main page scroll 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 down to where it says fan of the fret files podcast you click that that adds one to your cart and it's 50 bucks off. So instead of 749, it's 699. 699, free shipping, and it's yours. A neck straightening iron, playersgearmusic.com has them, and you need one. I'm telling you. So go to playersgearmusic.com and check it out and don't forget to tell Rick that the Fret Files podcast sent you. Okay, whose turn is it? I'm up. Okay, go for it. It appears that most of our Best stories are unmentionable on the air, sadly. We were tell we were just telling stories uh, during the commercial. There. All the ones we can't. We just Nat and I between yeah. between the two of us, I've got some that are they're just too tender to. Uh, <laughs> they're just a little bit too controversial. <laughs> they are, they are. I had one about emptying a bar. Yeah, that had one person in it. That was sad. I okay. do. You know, I do have one story I could tell. Is this the one about the solo and the? You have an you have an existential abyss moment. The solo, you you played a ripping solo. Oh, that's people... happened. Sure, but so you know we used to play in Seattle a lot, and we were kind of roots music, and nobody cared. But mm. um, we uh, like we we were, I was just used to playing places where nobody even clapped, right? Right, your background. And so so we're playing for our own enjoyment. So, well, yeah. I would just put my head down and just pour everything into 
the music and had a boy play good. So I play this really like emotion, like I'm just pouring myself into this solo. It's not like ripping. It's just a, you know, really heartfelt solo. Right. And I finish up and I just, I hear this like everybody bursts out into applause and clapping and cheering. Wild cheering. Like, whoa, people were paying attention and I didn't even notice because my eyes were closed. Yeah. But you connected, man. Yeah. I'm like, wow, wow, finally. So I look up and everybody was gathered around the TV and somebody, you know, somebody had made a basket. Kicked a home run or something. Yeah. Nonsense. And so they weren't. (laughs) You went back to your. They weren't cheering for me. You went back to your uh, little hole, I guess. Another time, this almost the same thing. We were playing at this crazy little street festival in Fremont. You know where Fremont is. Oh, yeah. And crazy Seattle. street festival in Fremont is about redundant four ways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, same deal. I had my eyes closed, pouring my heart in, into the music. Yep. And uh, we finish a song, and everybody bursts out into applause and cheering. Cool, man. And I thought, wow, great. So I look up. A guy had walked in on stilts. <laughs> A hipster in stilts <laughs> and a big mustache and, and a funny what hat. What kind of a hat? Yes, had of walked, course. Had walked into the bar. So yeah. the band who's been, you know, playing music for yeah. 20 years, yeah. trying to, you They're know, squandered their to lives inter- with entertain this. you with this music yep. is ignored. But this clown walks in on stilts and the bar erupted yeah. with applause. Like they haven't seen a guy walk in with a funny hat and stilts in this bar before. Come on. Come on, people. Anyway. It's just Kevin. I don't even remember the story I was going to tell, but that's okay. Those... No, that was it. That okay. Was great. Go I'm for up. it. <laughs> Good times. Okay. During the 1991 European tour of my band, Big Drill Car. I'm not envious yeah, of that big one. Big Drill Car. Yeah. The other ones were yeah. the Snakeheads and the Spock's Beard. I, I might have heard that. We were scheduled to play a few shows in what was, at the time of the booking, this is in quotes, Yugoslavia. This was September, Mm. October, 91. Mm. And the whole tour, we were getting the message that these shows in Yugoslavia were probably not going to happen. Yeah, there were some rumblings, man. States were declaring their independence, and armed conflicts were springing up all over the place as the government tried to keep control. Our first couple of shows in the country were in Slovenia, which was one of the first states to, that declared and gained its independence. That, that is true. It was the first. At a result of the 10-day war, which happened just a couple of months before we arrived. So, fraught with tension. In 1991, European borders were still a thing, and they were a major pain in the butt for bands to get through in a regular, non-conflict, everyday sort of way. So, the border between Italy, Europe... And Slovenia, not really Europe, and kind of at war, was going to be for sure a major problem. We got there at night, and there were semi-trucks lined up for what seemed like miles, all trying to get into the country. Frantic calls were made, and we four band members were eventually let in when the promoter came to pick us up in his friend's tiny car. The van with the gear, our sound man, and the road manager had to stay at the border and wait for the red tape to clear, which took about 24 hours. We ended up playing only one of the three shows in Slovenia slash Yugoslavia. Can't remember where we were. Smallish, beautiful Slovenia, uh, Slovenian city about 20 minutes from the Italian border. All of them are about that close. 
but the other two were canceled due to, conf- due to the conflict, which left us with a few days of nothing to do. The promoter put together a benefit concert to give us all something to do and support the Red Cross's relief efforts in the conflicts. It was in an old theater. You know the type. Old and beautiful with marble floors in the lobby. I don't think the management was aware that what was happening when hundreds of punky kids started showing up. We played the show for those Slovenian teenagers who were stoked to have a rock show. And during our set, someone placed those t- two of those bonus-sized European beer crates on either side of the stage with those bonus-sized European beer bottles inside. At some point, everyone was hanging out in the lobby of this old theater. It was like a house party. Everyone in great spirits. All these kids seemed to have, had, seemed to have the weight of the world lifted from their shoulders for the night. Super wonderful until we decided to ride bikes around inside the theater. Apparently, they had bikes. Inside the theater. You know the kind of place. Marble floors. Lots of beers. European sides and bikes. Bikes. Okay. The singer and I ended up racing a couple BMX bikes around this lobby with the marble floors and said high ceilings. Uh, I was getting clever and riding behind him, rubbing the front wheel of my bike on the rear of his, you know, being super annoying, something I was good at back then. It's always got to escalate. He won up to me, see, and flicked his rear wheel sideways, slapping my front wheel also sideways and sending my right hand toward the marble floor. Uh-oh. There was an audible crack that echoed through the lobby when my thumb made contact and our guitar player, ever the comedic genius, yelled, snap, crackle, pop. And of course, everyone burst out laughing. I got up knowing full well that I was effed. Yeah, that's what he says. Pretended it was okay and was like, hey guys, I think I'm going to go to bed now. Oh dear. Yeah. Walk it off. I walked back to the school dorm where we were staying in the pitch black while I could feel my hand start to swell, the numbness, numbness turning to pain. I was very, very drunk, so being in denial about the problem of a bass player with a broken thumb on tour in Europe with three weeks to go was easy that night. When I woke up the next morning, my thumb, palm, part of my right hand was the size of a softball, kind of blue, and for sure, totally not usable. Oh, man. This is ugly. We had to get on the road that morning, so I wrapped it in an ace bandage and tried to ignore the reality of my situation. Sometimes that works. So on tour in Slovenia. At war. In a war-torn part of the world, and you break your thumb. This is not good. Riding BMX bikes in one of them fancy lobbies. I spent the next few weeks of that tour playing with my right hand sideways with my thumb pointed out towards the audience as that right thumb was usually the anchor for the fingers that plucked the strings. Any bumper movement, yeah. Well, now he's got a signature stance, or (laughs) he's got a signature uh, hand position there. Any bump or movement of the thumb of the hand or hand in general was excruciating, so my normal animated live show self went full-on shoegaze. It was painful and kind of unnerving, that there was no time to stop and do anything about it. But we pressed on, and I got through the shows. The band was probably happy that I was sitting still and concentrating on playing instead of jumping around like a fool. By the time we wrapped up that European tour and headed home for another two months of U.S. shows, the thumb was mostly healed, but in a slightly different place. Uh To this day, my right thumb 
has an abrupt 90-degree right angle from thumb to palm instead of a gentle curve like my left one. Hey, do you remember my thumb Halloween horror story? No. Who was that from? That? Uh, nothing. Oh, it doesn't say? Oh, no, no, no. He's got another one. He's got another one. This, oh, this that was just part one. That was a, yeah, he's got a double. But let me interject. See that painting, that guy looking at me? Yeah. That Rembrandt guy? Yeah. Well, the other one of the two you have yeah. leapt at my thumb when I was going up the stairs holding yeah, my remember. guitar. That, that was Halloween night is my recollection. It was Halloween night? Yeah. Wow. And that thumb hurt for a long time. I know. You didn't let me forget about it. <laughs> I can feel it. <laughs> I probably should have, I don't know. Yeah, this painting came off the wall and landed on my thumb, bent it back, and I still play the same. Mm. But it hurts. Okay, let me do this. Uh, part two. Yeah. Well, let me do one of these first. Yeah, go then ahead. we'll do part two. All right. This is uh, called More Fog. Oh, man. This is from Eric Eskew, Sweet Care wait. Content Specialist over there at Sweetwater.com. I had a gig on Halloween that was about two hours away and featured my band as the main act. It was a bar with a capacity of 100, 150 people, and they had a relatively big light setup, including a fog machine located somewhere on the lighting truss behind my drum kit. The first song went off without a hitch. The band was getting into it. The crowd was loving us. Then, disaster struck. About a quarter of the way through the second song, I heard a loud hiss. My bassist heard me starting to mess up, turned around and noticed that I was missing. Oh, no. All he saw were my long arms rising above the fog trying to hit my drums. <laughs> the fog machine broke and would not stop emitting fog. Oh, man. It got so bad that we couldn't see the power cord to unplug it, and there was no way I'd stand on my drum throne to find the power button. Only thing we could do at that point was to wait until it ran out of juice. That could take a while, man. Everyone was told to evacuate until the room could clear out. It took about 15 to 20 minutes before we could even start playing again. Yeah. Not many people came back in, so when we restarted, there were only about 20 people left. Luckily, the bar owner was gracious enough to let us play our entire set and not cut it short. <laughs> Fog machines still haunt me to this day. Yeah, they're pretty rough. <laughs> Here's one. Another Halloween horror story, this time for my son's band. At the end of, the 2019, at the end of 2019, his band Greer... Eh, Landed a slot on the big Southern California music festival, Ohana Fest. Heard of that? No. I didn't think so. Have you? Heavens no. <laughs> Scheduled to take place summer of 2020. I was hunkered down. How am I going to hear? Well, we all know what happens next, except for two guys in this room. And that is enough of a horror sto story already. I guess there must have been some sort of disaster. I don't know. We it should was, take the paper. Is it like Altamont or something? Yeah, what I, happened? I, th I don't know. Something anyway, terrible. Continue. Ohana Fest gets rescheduled for September of 2021, and his band is still on oh, the bill. Is he talking about coronavirus? It got canceled because of COVID? I guess so. Yeah, okay, because it was scheduled at the end of 2019. Sorry, I missed that obvious. I thought maybe something terrible happened at the, at the actual thing. Yeah. We don't know. We're out of the loop, people. I still do take the paper, but sometimes I don't read it. Um, anyway, so they're going to reschedule this thing. They're going to do it September 2021, and his band is still on the bill. COVID restrictions lighten up, and the show is going on. What an amazing opportunity for a young band. Huge crowd sharing a stage with My Morning Jacket, Pearl Jam, 
Brandy Carlisle, among other big acts we all know and love. The big day comes, the band is hyped, and this this is one of their first shows since COVID started a year and a half ago, so they can't wait to play. Oh, I bet. They take the stage late afternoon, and during the second song, it starts raining. Kind of freakish for SoCal in September. Third song starts, and here comes a massive lightning storm. Even more freakish for SoCal in September. That's not my words. I, I would never say SoCal. He's, I'm just reading it. I, we understand okay, that. Okay, thank you. The crowd is, is emergency evacuated out of the grounds, and the band and stage crew are rushed from the stage. Because of strict festival timing, that's it. Set is over. The big show, nearly two years in the making, was 2.5 songs long and destroyed by Mother Nature <laughs> in SoCal. Mother Nature strikes again. Yeah. The festival continued once the storm passed, which lasted for exactly the band's set time. Ah, uh, yeah. Wow. That's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. Hey, there's a little postscriptum. I love your show and have learned a ton, all caps, listening to it. Good. I have a pile of questions that I've never sent in, so please keep it going so I can. Thanks. We don't have the guy's name. Yeah. I'll keep it going. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'll keep it going. That You know, I played a gig once uh, in Pocatello, which is about an hour south here of Idaho yeah. Falls. Yeah. And it was for the city. It was a city festival. It's like a street festival. Oh, no. I thought, man, this is going to be great. This is probably 20 years ago. Uh, a, a street festival in Pocatello? This is yeah. going to be awesome. Yeah, you know? we didn't have a lot of street festivals. So I went down. Were you on this gig? No. I think I remember... I don't think stories we, about this. I don't think we were playing. I know who was playing back then. Yeah. No. When did we start playing together? Was it after I after moved? you went to Seattle? Yeah, you were playing yeah. with Ron and Lisa. So you, but when I'd come back, sometimes you'd play. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. Anyhow, so we go down to this uh, big street festival in Pocatello, and uh, it's like in the evening, you know, and there's a big flatbed trailer we're going to play on, and everything's cool. Big so, time. Um, they're like, okay, well, there's going to be an opening act, and then you guys go on. So, okay. But can they use, they want to know if they can use your PA. So, oh, sure, you know. Because you so, had a giant PA at the time. Yeah. So um, the, the opening act was a drag pageant. Is that right? Like a drag... 20 years ago, yeah. Street Fest and Pocatello. I mean, this is a family, you know, yeah. like street festival out of yeah. the street. Strollers, the whole bit. Uh, drag queens. So... Yeah, there you go. Guys with, you know, hairy legs sticking out of their dresses. Or really nice and legs do, sticking and out doing of their dresses. It's hard to know. Like weird, like burlesque, vampy. Yeah. Like, and then they're, you know, and they're playing... Through our, you know, they hook up their boombox to my PA. Yeah. It was weird. I mean, I'm a regular fella. Yeah. I don't go to the drag the drag queen show, very, you know, very often. It's been a while for by, me, too, yeah. Except by accident. Yeah. When they open up for us. <laughs> so, th- so that goes on, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Fine. You know, yeah. I'm not being judgmental. It's like, whatever. You know, you hit the big It was time. just a surprise. Yeah. And then, so now it's, so now we're going to play. Okay, this is, I don't want to say tough act to follow, but it's unusual. Yeah. So we go up there. I, I, I swear to you, this is true. Like, uh, I don't even remember what song the, it was, but it was this big, like, I would 
bong, hit the E string. Yeah. And start playing some, you know, whatever blues song we're playing at the yeah. time. I hit that down note, bong, and that's all that came out. The power went off right after Whoa. that note. The power of the whole block Whoa. went off. I have not heard that story. So here we are. We played one note, no power. All gone. And so no gig, no nothing. <laughs> just people just wandered off, just yeah. shuffled away. And uh, and so we waited for a while, like, okay, well, you know, what's going on? Nobody knows. There's, you know, the the person organizing the festival there is like, well, okay, let's, let's wait and see what happens here. And then, you know, they get word, okay, it was a transformer or blue or something, whatever happened. Anyway, it never came back on. That's just it. it. That was it. So they told us, okay, pack up your gear. That's it. And I said, well, okay. So are you going to be paying us in check or cash? Yeah. And she's like, well, I'm not going to pay you. You didn't play. <laughs> I said, oh, we drove all the way down here. With my And we PA. did play. Yeah. We played one note. And it was awesome. And then the power went out and it was not under arc. It was beyond my control. Yeah. And she's like, you're not going to, you're not going to try to get paid for this, are oh, you? Oh, did she say be yeah. reasonable? Yeah. Surely. <laughs> Surely you don't expect to be paid for coming <laughs> down Come down here. to Pocatello, providing PA for the other fellers. So she did pay us, but she was mad about it. Like it was out of her own pocket. Like, well, oh, this is. She's been The city is paying for this, yeah. right? Well, the poor thing. Is that why we never play Pocatello? Oh, yeah, I don't know. We never do. We should. I never try. Uh, anyway, that's that story. Whose turn is it? Is it mine? I think so. Uh, I think you are up. How about you? This is called And the Band Played On by David Stewart, Executive Vice President of Marketing over there at Sweetwater.com. Wow. My band was playing on a steam-powered riverboat in the 80s. 1880s? Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me right yeah. now, Dave Stewart? <laughs> Mark Twain was there. Yeah. yeah, he's up to no good, I bet. In the 1980s. My, oh. My band was playing on a steam-powered riverboat in the 80s. Those who have spent time in the Midwest can appreciate how dramatically the weather can d deteriorate in a short period of time. Mm. Sure enough, shortly after we left... On an evening cruise, we found ourselves in a pretty severe storm. As my band was playing, the captain of the boat appeared on the side of the stage and motioned me over. While I was playing, he proceeded to yell into my ear the following, We're experiencing massive wind shear. There's a tornado oh, warning. We're going to run aground. Oh, no. <laughs> I need you to keep everyone calm. But you need to get back to the steering wheel, bro. Yeah, I said, uh, I'm just a bass player. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He kept his head while others lost it. That's cool. I explained the situation to the crowd over an instrumental section of the song. Oh. They didn't even stop no, playing. No, they didn't. Wind they cheer, didn't even man. stop playing. Wind We're going cheer. to run aground. It's pirate talk. Oh. I'm just a bass player. It actually turned out okay. We ran aground hard enough that some people were knocked off their feet. There were very few injuries, and the drum set had a uh, Keith Moon moment. Yeah. We managed to keep the band playing, and the crowd informed and engaged throughout. Those are the moments when you learn just how much power you can have over a crowd. Just take charge and sound confident. Yeah. That's from David Stewart. That's, That's a good one. Yeah. 
Man. Very good. All righty. I invite you to get back to that ship steering deal. <laughs> yeah. It might have been the first mate. River. No, it was the riverboat captain, man. He probably had a good hat. Okay. I got one here. It's entitled Horror Story. I have a bit of a horror story for you. It's not so much a gig, though, unless you consider playing at your 105-year-old grandmother's funeral a gig. Eh. My cousin asked me if I'd play a song with him at the funeral. Knowing that I suffer from performance anxiety, he made it clear that it was no problem if I didn't want to, and that we would rehearse so that I could be as comfortable as can be. You ever had to play music at a funeral? I almost did, and my grandpa's deal, I was going to play it's hard. Tumble, tumbleweeds and the whole bit. I've done it probably 10 times, and it's not. Yeah, that's not good. It's not, never. It's. I wouldn't consider it a gig. No. It's sir. not. It's not a good time. So it is a bit of a horror story. Yeah, what a tough, tough thing. Uh, okay, so he didn't want to. He agreed and began getting ready on my own for it. Yeah, you got to emotionally prepare for this, man. I was tasked with providing lead work, and I had some ideas prepared for when I was able to rehearse with my cousin. We got together the night before the funeral to run through it a bunch of times. It went really well, and we packed away our guitars, and I felt uncharacteristically confident. I felt a little serenity. This is good. The next day, we packed up everything and headed to the funeral. Before the funeral started, we tuned up, did a quick run through, and we both felt good to go. We took our seats, and the funeral began. I have played for people many times before, but this was the first time I was playing for an audience that was sitting there with all attention on me. Yeah. It's a tough situation. <clears throat> and the thing about a funeral is that everybody is sitting there and maybe some people weeping. Yeah. And there's not going to be any applause. I mean, that would no, be there's, inappropriate. There's no relieving it's a, applause. It's a strange You walk off feeling. in silence. It's a strange, strange feeling. Yeah, tough. Not that there should be applause at a funeral. I'm not saying no, that. Yeah. I'm just, just <laughs> not saying. advocating that. Right. I mean, you know, let's put things in perspective. You're playing a gig... Somebody died. Yeah. They're having a worse day than you are, Somebody but still, died. playing music at a funeral is not fun. It's a tough situation. Last one I went to, they it was mostly musical, just really good piano, and um, it, it was actually really good. But like this a, guy's. Really? Yeah. Over here at the Kearney Building. You ever hear people say, uh, hey, when I die, yeah. I, want, I, I want everybody to have a party. Yeah, I want it to be fun. Well, not me. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> There'll be time for parties later. Yeah. I, I'm dead. Yeah. You guys need to be crying and... <laughs> yeah, there need, there need to be some marble-winged <laughs> weeping cherubs. Yeah. This right, last one sorry. I went to, in fact, there, were, there weren't any swear words, and another guy told me, well, it wasn't very good then. Okay. <laughs> Which is true, probably. All right, so the poor guy... Having to do this in front of all those people, every it's miserable. So I wasn't surprised that as it got closer to our performance, I started to get nervous. I decided to run through the song in my head to try to try and ease myself. That is when I realized my mind had been replaced with an endless empty void. Uh oh. Yeah, I'm not sure I could recognize the difference there. <laughs> I've been there, buddy. I just call that a Tuesday. Yeah. That is when I realized my, <laughs> I just repeated it. I couldn't even remember the chords, let alone the progression of the song. I went from confident to total concern in a matter of moments. Yeah, he had a little navel gaze and spiral. 
Performance anxiety strikes again. Yeah. It was now time for us to play. The song started with my cousin strumming a couple of chords back and forth. I was to come in with some lead, and the song would progress from there. The problem was, I couldn't even remember how to come in. I knew I had missed my mark when my cousin glanced at me with a look on his face telling me, it's time for me to come in. Luckily, the intro to the song allowed me some room for, allowed some room for me to get myself together, and I managed to come in when I should. We were now off, and things were heading in the right direction. I couldn't remember everything I had worked out, so I stuck to what I knew would work. There you go. As the song went on, I started to feel a slight bit of confidence return and decided to branch out, dude, and play some other licks <laughs> that I could pull from my failing brain, dude. Here I go. I go up the neck and hit a brown note. All right. I quickly abandon any hope and go back to playing what I knew I could. There you go. Then it came time for my solo. While I didn't feel as nervous, that brown note really soured what little confidence I had. My fretting hand became jelly. I took every ounce of my being. It took every ounce of my being to hold it together, but I managed to get through the solo without any real issues. Shortly after, the song was finished and I sat back down in you know, shuffled off in silence, I'm sure. Yeah. I made it through, and well, I only played about a quarter of my ability. Uh, it went off without much error. Still, I was displeased with my playing. I could have played at a higher level if I could have just relaxed. The funeral was recorded and posted online for family that couldn't attend, so I was able to watch it. Oh, don't do that. And hear what it really sounded like. Oh, it sounded better than I thought. And in the end... To most, it was a nice performance. I will never be happy with it, but that would be the case even if I knocked it out of the park. Oh, man. It's a bid for connection there. Thanks for the podcast. Whatever you decide to do with it, even if you decide to end it, it's much appreciated. That's from Will in Amprior. Amprior? Arnprior. Interesting. Ontario. Hmm. And, well, thank you, Will. Thanks, that Will. is a tough gig. Another, another Canadian man. horror story. Yeah, man. Oh. Yeah. Funerals. Yeah. Okay, here's one from Tim Miller. Let's hear it. A marketing creative copywriter at Sweetwater. Boy, I guess Sweetwater is a huge company, huh? It is big. They got guys with like uh, four fancy names titles. Their titles. One of my worst disasters occurred early in my worship leader career. Mm -hmm. So this is playing, the guy's playing at a church. Church, man. Everything was going great. The set came together really well. The band was knocking out the arrangements, and we'd already experienced some significant moments. Hey. The 500 people in the auditorium seemed to be right with me as we came to the peak of the set's big anthem. Oh, and the people were responding, really responding, far more exuberantly than in my wildest dreams, or, as it turned out, nightmares. Oh, no. Apparently, the night before, someone had left a window cracked open on the upper floor of the building. A bat had entered and oh. found a nice, quiet place to sleep. Oh, man. Apparently, the loud music startled him, and the little fella began swooping and diving throughout the auditorium. Hands shot up and waved all over the room. People were shouting. Some dove to the floor. Others, young and old, began running the aisles. Man. One man in the balcony began swinging a large trash can in circles above his head, shouting, I got it, I got it. <laughs> but this was no Holy Spirit revival. <laughs> it was a bat. 
there was no recovering from the mayhem that ensued. Man, that poor bat. Yeah. Must have been awfully confused. Okay, I got one. Oh, it's going to take us back. A lot of these, uh, apparently there was a lot of horror in the 80s. Yeah. 1982, first gig. About 100 folks in attendance. We were so geeked and wanted to be as professional as possible, so we rented a state-of-the-art PA head from a local shop to replace our really old tube one that we rehearsed with. We picked up the rental on the afternoon of the show. Man at the shop says, you're going to love it. Brand new in the box. Drive back, grab up all our gear, and we are so excited we get to the hall as early as possible and start loading in. Get everything hooked up, power on, sound check, PA doesn't work. Shop is closed. Fortunately, the trip to get the old one wasn't too awful far away, but the manager was a little uptight, and that, combined with the first gig jitters, made for a rough start. Mm. Moral of the story, plug it in before you walk out of the shop. That is true. That's from Malcolm Wilson, Kensington, Maryland. Wow. Thanks, Malcolm. They went back to the old meat-in-the-pot tube amp after <laughs> yeah, flirting right. with that fancy-pancy 82 <laughs> PD <laughs> head there. Ay, ay, Are you? Is that your last story? I think that's all I've got. I've got one more. Okay, one more Let's big, uh, one more big horror story. You ready? I am ready. This is from Jeff Mack. What's he do? Professor of commercial music at Lipscomb University. Oh, I don't. Uh, I don't even think he works at Sweetwater. Yeah. Maybe he does. I don't know. This is from Jeff. It's called. It's entitled. See, mine have titles. They're fancy. Yeah, mine are a little grassrootsy. Mine's entitled, You Thought We Wanted a Keyboard Player? <laughs> when I first moved to Nashville in the 80s, again, mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. very, uh, it's a very... It was pretty, it was a bit of a horror, yeah. Well, either that or just this podcast is behind the times. Old dudes. We're not super au, nope. au courant, au courant, as they say. As they do in Montreal, In yeah. Quebec. yeah. When I first moved to Nashville in the 80s, one of my first priorities was to play in a band. Within the first two weeks, I received an invite to play in a group that was covering reasonably sophisticated music from groups like Mr. Mr. Oh. Level four, level 42. Yeah. Peter Gabriel. Oh, mm-hmm. in Nashville. Mm-hmm. You moved to Nashville mm-hmm. to do this. Okay. Yeah, that's a big town. All right. All kinds of music. Well... I went to work woodshedding a set list of songs that I had not played before and working up keyboard parts so I could account for myself respectably. You got it in the 80s, yep. Then came the programming and making sure the sounds lined up so I could smoothly change from song to song. I even briefly wondered if I would need to do some sequencing to cover the more complex parts. Sequencing. When the day of the first rehearsal came around, I packed up my gear and rolled it into the rehearsal hall. As I walked in, the first thing I noticed was that there was already a keyboard rig set up. And somebody was standing right there behind it, playing the intro lick to Running in the Family. Dang it. That must be some Flock of Seagulls number I'm not familiar with. It could be, yeah. Dang. Bananarama. With a bit of trepidation, I walked over to him, and trying to assume the best, I introduced myself as the new guy in the band. And I asked him where I should set up my keyboard. (laughs) If he wanted to talk through which parts we would each cover on each song. Yeah, I think he handled it just right. (laughs) Bless his heart. I might not have been able to do as well. He looked at me like I had two heads and said he did not need any help covering any of the parts. Thank you. 
I bet he had cool hair too. This he then, guy. yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Dang it. He then went back to playing keys and rather pointedly ignored me. Yeah. With a million things running through my head, I decided to wait until my contact, the guitar player, got there to straighten things out. When he walked in, I asked him, what was going on? If I should set up my keyboard or if I should just go ahead and leave? Mm-hmm. He gave me a confused look and said in the most innocent voice a guitar player ever mustered, Uh, you sing, don't you? Oh, I see. What could I do? I'd always been told, say yes to the opportunity and then figure out how to get it done. Do it. So I, I said yes, and I excused myself <laughs> to the restroom to start desperately scribbling down lyrics to all the songs that I had worked out on the keyboard. Do it, bud. I did eventually play a little bit of keys, and I sang with that group, but my accidental stint as the lead singer for the first month was the most terror I have ever experienced. Luckily, we only got through four songs in that first rehearsal, so I, I only made a fool of myself four times that day and had at least some uh, running room for the second rehearsal. Wow. Hey, well, we all learned something there. You had a good attitude. Appreciate you. That's pretty hard. Gosh. I don't know if I can leave the house. with the, the Life is fraught with so much horror. Oh, yeah. Oh, we did have pretty good burritos, though. Today? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, that was kind of redemptive. Any day that there's burritos or tacos involved is a good day. Yeah, I can get by. Uh, I got one more story. Here's a personal story for you. Here's oh, one. Okay, good. we'll wrap up with this. Oh, good. So I used to fill in for these guys in Seattle, and they were a pretty pro band. They were really good blues band, right? Don't want to name names, huh? And uh, well, I don't, but <laughs> it's, uh, but um, I I would stand in for their guitar player Steve when Steve couldn't make it because Steve was in like 10 bands. He was like a hired He's gun. Good. Yeah. Gold top, like who, this guy. You know, whoever was playing. Oh, you you remember? Oh, I've seen Steve in Highway 99 Club. So like, you know, if Steve had a double booking some night, he would take the better gig and I would Yeah. I would You're have, the to, fill, I would have to fill in for yep. So, um one night this band was playing a block away from my house with Steve. And I thought, well, this is a great opportunity for me to go and see them and see what Steve does yeah. so that when I fill in, I know if there's like a part that I should be doing because th- we didn't rehearse. You know, this is a blues band. He would call me up and say, hey, I need I need you to fill in on Thursday. Yeah. And I would just show up. And You're play. lucky if yeah, they tell they you go, what key it's in. Right. They go one, two, three, four, yeah. and you figure start out it playing. Today. Yeah. Yeah. There's no rehearsals. Mm-hmm. So I thought, this is going to be great. I can go see what they're doing and see Steve and, you know, check out his parts, see what I need to, you know, see how I can make it better when I sit in. Yeah. So I did. I went down there and uh, grabbed myself a drink and sat in the back cor- dark corner of the Where bar. Where the musicians you know? are, huh? Yeah. Sat in the, you know, very back. Yeah. And uh, they were playing, so I didn't even, I didn't even say hi or anything. Because, you know, they're playing. Yeah, yeah. Occupied. So I go and I just sit by myself and they're rocking out and they're great. Steve is great. This this harmonica player, singer guy, just, they're just killing it. It's just good, good music. Mm-hmm. So then, they, you know, they do this thing where they kind of vamp on this little rhythm thing okay. while the harmonica player talks and introduces oh, the band. It's got a little right? rap. Over here on guitar we have... Steve, you know. Wild applause. On the bass, we have. From Tuckwilla. And uh, he introduces the whole band. And then he goes, and I want to I, I mention 
over here in the back of the club. And he points my way. Oh, no. I'm like, I didn't even know they saw me come in. Yeah. Thought you was incognito. Plus, why are the... I'm not in the band. Yeah. Don't mention me. No. Like, beads of sweat start forming on my... It was pretty packed in there. I'm like, what? Way there in the back. He always makes us sound good. Way in the back here. I want everybody to turn around and take a look. Give a big hand. I'm like, oh, my... Really? Crimity. Stand up. We can't see you. Stand up. So I stand up. Uh. <laughs> Bill McCullough, back here in the in the sound booth. Everybody, big hand for Bill. Yeah. So I'm standing there like an idiot, and I look behind me, and sure enough, here's Bill. Just like, I mean, I could reach up and touch the guy. He's. I didn't realize I was sitting right in front of the sound booth that was on like a riser. I didn't even notice Bill behind me, and he's... So he's there taking a big bow. Oh, yeah, man. And I'm standing in front of him like an idiot, like waving, like, hey, how are yeah. you, everybody? And yeah. and the band leader goes, oh, there, and uh, oh, it looks like Eric's here, too. Yeah, there's Ed. <laughs> Eric, sometimes Eric sits in with us. Anyway, this next song. <laughs> so I, because I had stood up and like waved and like taken a bow. Like yeah. I, th- I thought they were introducing me. I didn't. I just turned five shades of red. Yeah. Put down my drink and just slunk quietly. Found the back door. Yeah. You got left sneak. the club. All you can do at that point. Time uh, to so I'm walking home, like looking at my shoes, like, uh, why, why does this happen to me? And I notice my fly is down. So, not only had I made a fool of myself, but... uh, Yeah, doubled it up. Yeah. Anyhow, that does it for the show. Thanks, everybody, who uh, submitted a story. Yeah, that was great. A horror story. We'll get back to the regularly scheduled programming uh, for the next episode, back to uh, tech questions and the the like. So if you have questions or comments you want to send in... Go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and send in your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. And uh, you can just leave a message there or text that number, and we will use your question or comment on the show. Thanks, everybody. We will talk to you next time. Happy Halloween.